This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Tonight I want to talk to you about trumpets. Now I'm not talking about brass trumpets. I love brass trumpets. But I'm talking about a shofar. That's a ram's horn. In the Old Testament, they blew these wonderful shofars and make a wonderful sound. Some people still blow them. At the Jewish synagogues, they still blow the shofar to announce different things. But I want to look in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is given to us as an example. Before we even start, let me share a scripture with you in the Old Testament that's found in first, I mean in the New Testament that talks about the Old Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. This is 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 11. It says, all of these things happened to them. It's talking about Israel. Everything we read in the Old Testament happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the ages have come. So the whole Bible was written for Jews and for Gentiles. And the New Testament also was written for Jews and for Gentiles. We need to understand how God loves us, how he cares for us. It's his story. The Bible is God's story. So tonight I want to talk to you about a feast of Israel. I want to talk to you about the Feast of Trumpets and what it means, and how it might apply to us. Now, I am, a, I am a Christian, and I live under grace, not under law, so I don't normally celebrate the Feast of Trumpets. But it is an important feast, and so I want to look at it and see what the Holy Spirit might say to us about this study about trumpets tonight. In Leviticus chapter 23, verses 23 and 24, there's, this is where the Lord spoke to Moses to institute the Feast of Trumpets. And this is what it says. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel saying, In the seventh month, on the first day of the month, you shall have a Sabbath rest, a memorial of blowing of trumpets, a holy convocation. Now, you know, the Feast of Trumpets started last week, last Friday. And uh, this isn't the seventh month, this is the ninth month. So what is the solution to that problem? Well, Israel has a different calendar than our calendar. And on their calendar, it's the seventh month. So right now, Israel is celebrating the Feast of Trumpets. And there are many Christians that are also celebrating this feast too. It marks the Feast of the Trumpets, marks the beginning of 10 days of consecration and soul-searching and repentance before God. It's one of seven Jewish feasts that was appointed by the Lord. Now, why did he give them these feasts? Because he wanted them to remember him. He wanted them to pay attention to him. He wanted to do something to draw their attention back to him several times a year so they would remain connected to him, so they would continue to serve him and not be distracted and pulled away from him. Does that sound familiar? We're like that too, aren't we? We need to stay in church. We need to stay connected so we will stay close to the Lord because it is so easy for humans to get distracted. Have you noticed that? And so this was one of those feasts. There are actually three of those feasts that occur in the autumn. And the, the name Feast of Trumpets actually means the blowing of trumpets. Now, um, like many believers, when I think of the Feast of Trumpets and I think of the blowing of trumpets, I think of something else besides their feast. I think of the trump of God. 
I think of the second coming of Jesus. I think of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18. Let's look at it together. This is what it says. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God. Hey, there's that trumpet. With the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we shall always be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. So when I think of the Feast of Trumpets, I'm listening for that trumpet. That's the trumpet that I want to hear, and I want to hear it clearly, and I know you do too. But in the Old Testament, this Feast of Trumpets meant something totally different to the Jews. This 10 days was a time when they would examine their life, and they would look to see anything in their life that was not pleasing to God, and they would repent, and they would just do a real soul-searching time because at the end of this 10 days, they were going to appear before God and they were going to have to bring a sacrifice for their sins, a lamb or a turtle dove or some sort of sacrifice, a blood sacrifice for their sins. It was the day of atonement. And that sacrifice would only cover their sins. It would not remove their sins. It would only cover their sins and they had to do it every year. But you know what? Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God, and he died one time for all men, for all time. He died for us. He took our punishment. He took our sins. He nailed them to the cross. He, he took all of our punishment. He conquered death, hell, and the grave, and he's alive today. And when I sin, I don't have to kill an animal. I just have to confess my sins, and he's faithful and just to forgive our sins. But when I think of the Day of Atonement, you know, one of the things about the Old Testament that I challenge you to look for is all through the Old Testament, there are types and shadows of Jesus Christ. There are types and shadows. It was God's plan from the beginning. Types and shadows of Jesus. And one of my favorite types and shadows of the Lord Jesus Christ and the Day of Atonement is found in the book of Exodus. It's Exodus 12, 13. And leading up to that, that is where all of the plagues have been on Egypt. God is bringing his children. He's bringing Israel out of Egypt. He's rescuing them from bondage. And the very last plague, the death angel passed through the land, and every firstborn child or animal died. But Israel was given specific instructions how they were to kill a lamb and they would take the blood of the lamb and put it over the doorpost and that would protect them when the death angel passed through. Let's read this scripture in Exodus 12, 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the house where you are. And when I see the blood, oh, thank you, Jesus. When I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Did you know if you were born again, the blood of Jesus covers your household? The blood of Jesus covers you. You are protected by the blood of Jesus. This was a type of the Lord Jesus Christ. And though Israel had to bring a lamb, he is our precious lamb of God. Jesus is our sacrificial lamb. Jesus is, took away the sin of the world. Jesus is our Passover lamb. But 
we still need to examine our hearts because God desires to commune with us. Let's look at an, another scripture about trumpets. Let's look at a prophet. I love the prophet Joel. We used to sing this song, blow a trumpet in Zion, Zion, sound an alarm in your holy mountain. But this particular passage of scripture has to do with judgment. There are a lot of people who think that God is judging America. I don't know about that because I live in grace. I'm a grace girl. However, I do believe that sin attracts judgment. And I believe if you sin enough, you're going to reap the benefits of sin in your life. But in the Old Testament, judgment was very common. When the people got away from God, then bad things would happen. And when they repented, God would come and he would rescue them. And this is a little of what's happening here in Job, in the book of Joel. Verse 1 says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Now remember that blowing the trumpet is calling a holy convocation. Listen to what he says. Blow the, blow the trumpet in Zion. Sound an alarm in my holy mountain. And in verse 12, it says this. Now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, and he will be gracious and merciful. He will be slow to anger. He will be of great kindness, and he will relent from doing harm. Who knows if he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering or a drink offering. For the Lord your God, blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, Call a sacred assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, let the priests who minister to the Lord weep before the porch and the altar. Let them say, spare your people, O Lord. So when they blew the trumpet, they often blew the trumpet to call the people to a time of repentance and rededication to the Lord. Actually, twice in this passage, Joel commands them to blow a trumpet, blow a trumpet. The prophet was commanding a trumpet to be blown in Zion to consecrate a fast, to call the people to repent so God could rescue them and restore them. There were actually three different reasons that Israel blew trumpets. One was to call a holy convocation of some kind. The second one was in times of war, there were watchmen on the walls, and the watchmen on the walls had these ram's horns. And if Israel was under attack, they would blow the horn to warn the people that they were going to be attacked. And the third thing was to call the people to worship. Every time I hear a ram's horn blown, I, I want to worship the Lord. It does something inside me. I don't really understand what it causes, but something inside me just calls me to want to worship God when I hear the sound of the trumpet. I found a really wonderful narrative in Exodus that I want to talk to you about because I think it has something very special to say to us about God calling his people. I believe God is calling us to himself. God loves you. He loves me. And he wants to spend time with us. When he created Adam, and Adam was in the garden. The Bible says that every morning in the cool of the day, it might have been in the evening, whether it was morning or evening, it was the cool of the day, God came down and he actually walked with Adam. But when Adam fell, the very next time that God came down, he couldn't find Adam. 
well, he knew where Adam was, but Adam was hiding. And he said, where are you? And Adam said, I was afraid and I hid myself. He was afraid because sin had entered his life. And sin was keeping, God was there waiting for him, but sin was keeping Adam from communion with God. God wants to commune with us as he never has before. But he needs for us to call a holy convocation daily and search our hearts and see if there's anything blocking our communion with him. So this is a narrative and there's, there are what I call sister verses in the New Testament. So this is a wonderful section of Scripture in the Old Testament that hooks into the New Testament. So let's look together at Exodus 19, beginning with verse 4. Let's read a few verses, talk about it, and then we'll, we'll read a few more verses. This is God talking to Moses. And he, this is what he says. You have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles' wings and I brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. Hey, there's one of those conditional promises. If you will obey my voice and keep my covenant, then you shall be a special treasure to me above all people. For all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you shall speak to the children of Israel. So God has delivered them from Egypt. He has completely destroyed all the armies of Egypt and the Red Sea. They're now in the wilderness. And he said, I brought you out here in the wilderness to myself because I want to commune with you. I want to be with you. I want you to know me, and I want to know you. God is the same. He wants to know us. Now, I, this, this same scripture, very similar, is found in 1 Peter chapter 12, verse 9. Peter is not addressing Jewish people. He's addressing the church when he says this. Listen to what the Lord spoke through Peter to the church. This is 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. You are a chosen generation. Same words. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. That you would proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people at all. But now you're the people of God. Once you had not obtained mercy, but now you have obtained mercy. Listen, when those Gentile believers heard that, and they knew that, that it was repeating something God had said to Israel, don't you know that made them feel special? And it makes me feel special too. It's God giving us our identity in him. Our identity, we are a chosen generation. Don't let anybody tell you you're not special. You're very special to God. You are chosen by God. You are a royal priesthood, and you are holy. That word holy means set apart just for God. You are. My mother told me that all my life. It is no wonder I went into ministry. My mother told me from the time I was a little girl, you are special. You have been set apart for God's purposes. You will fulfill God's will for your life. She didn't say if you want to. She said, you will fulfill God's will for your life. And she helped me understand that I had a call of God on my life. Well, we all do. We all do. This verse tells us we are God's own people. Not only does this tell us who we are, when the world tells you you're worthless, you say, oh, no, I'm not. I'm chosen by God. I'm set apart for God's service. I am God's special possession. 
I'm not worthless. I'm not unimportant. I belong to God. Listen to this. You have a purpose. And your purpose is that you proclaim and you demonstrate the praises of God in your life. Your life should be a proclamation and a praise to the Lord every day of your life. That's what we're called to do. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what's happening around you. It doesn't matter what people say about you. God sees you as chosen. God sees you as royal, as a priest, as holy, as God's possession. And your purpose, you have a purpose in life. You, you don't need to just aim, roam around aimlessly in life. You have a purpose in life. Now let's go back to Exodus 19 because that verse has more to say to us than just that. We are God's people. We have been set apart for God. God desires to visit us. I believe God still desires to visit us and make his permanent home in us. This is the reason God created us. God created us for communion. However, in order to come into God's presence, in order to commune with God, just like the people of Israel have to, had to prepare their hearts, we need to daily prepare our hearts. We need to daily ask God to search our hearts and prepare us because there are things that can block our communion. It, just like Adam, God is there, but if there's sin in our life, if there's unforgiveness, all sorts of things can block our ability to commune with God, and he wants to remove those things. In this narrative that we're going to look at, God gave the people three days to prepare. He said, Moses, I want you to go down. I want you to tell the people to prepare. He, they have three days to prepare. And I want them to get ready because I'm going to come down on the mountain and I am going to personally commune with these people on the mountain. And so let's read a little bit. Let's go to verse 16 and let's read a little bit more. So it came to pass on the third day after they had prepared themselves in the morning that there were thunderings and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and the sound of a trumpet. And a, it was a very loud trumpet, so that all the people who were in the camp trembled. And Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet with God. And they stood at the foot of the mountain. Now, Mount Sinai was completely in smoke. Smoke was all over the mountain because the Lord had descended upon it in fire. And the smoke ascended like the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mountain quaked greatly. And when the blast of the trumpet sounded long and became louder and louder, Moses spoke. And listen at this. And God answered him by voice. So the trumpets just, they were really loud. God likes loud music. Did you know that? If you don't like loud music, I don't know that you'll enjoy heaven. Because there's going to be a lot of loud music in heaven. And the trumpets, when God, when God appeared, when God came down, the trumpets were really, really loud. And think about it. They actually heard God's voice. But, you know, here's the sad thing. Those people, I just can't imagine this. I guess maybe if I'd been there, I could imagine it. But I can't imagine not wanting to experience the presence of God. I can't imagine not wanting to be close to God and hearing him speak. Oh, that would be wonderful. But listen to what these people said. Let's jump down uh, to uh, verses 18 through 20, guys, and let's see what these people, how they responded. This is Exodus 19, verses 18 and 20. Do we have that one? 
I'll just read it if we don't. Now, all the people witnessed the thundering. So you don't have that one? Okay, I'll just read it. Now, all the people witnessed the thundering, the lightning, the flashes, the sound of the trumpet, and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they trembled, and they stood afar off. And then they said to Moses, listen to what they said to Moses. You speak with us, and we will hear. But we don't want God to speak with us, lest we die. And Moses said to the people, do not be afraid. For God has come to test you, that his fear may be before you, so that you may not sin. So the people stood afar off, but listen to this. But Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. I don't want to be like those people, do you? If God wants to commune with me, I want to commune with God. I want to draw near. I don't want anything to block my communion with God. It's so important. Can you imagine what it would be like as God just opens a new communion to us and begins to minister to us in a deeper way than he ever has before? I know he wants to do that. He's really dealing with my heart that he wants to touch the church in a very deep and wonderful way. But we need to prepare. We need to prepare our hearts for that. You know, Hebrews, we're talking about sister scriptures tonight, scriptures in the Old Testament, scriptures in the New Testament. There's a scripture in Hebrews that talks about this same thing. It says that we've come to a mountain. Do you have this one in Hebrews 12? There it is. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched. So when we come before the Lord to worship the Lord, we don't come to a mountain that you can touch, but that are a mountain that is burning with fire and darkness and gloom and storm, or to the trumpet blast, or to such a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word would be spoken to them because they couldn't bear what he commanded. Even if an animal touched the mountain, it had to be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that even Moses said, I'm trembling with fear. But listen to where we've come. When we worship the Lord, when we move in to worship the Lord, this is what happens. But you have come to Mount Zion. Now, I personally think that Mount Zion is a reflection of worship. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God. You have come to the heavenly Jerusalem. We've actually come to the throne. We're, in Hebrews, we're told to come boldly to the throne. And that's where we come. You've come to the thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. So angels join us when we come to the throne of God. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. All other believers, when we come before the throne of God, we join every other believer. You've come to God, the judge of all. We've actually come right into the presence of God. I like this one. You've come to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. I'm going to come back to that one. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkling blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. If they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven? I believe when it says we come to the spirits of just men made perfect, you know who I think that is? We're told in Hebrews chapter 11, chapter 12, that, uh, that there's, we're, there's a great host, that there's a great host all around us. And I believe the spirits of just men made perfect for all our loved ones who are in heaven. When we come to the throne of God to worship, they're already worshiping in heaven. And we really join them. We don't communicate with them. We communicate with our Father, God. But they're joining us. The angels are joining us. 
God wants you to experience his presence as you never have before. So what should we do? What should we do to experience this glorious presence? There's a story in the New Testament of a man at the gate, beautiful, a lame man who was healed. And after he was healed and Peter and John talked and, and ministered, they asked him, what should we do, Peter? And this is what he said. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins will be blotted out. Now listen to what will happen. Then times of refreshing will come from the presence of God. Do you need times of refreshing? Oh, wow. I, I want times of refreshing. I want heaviness to leave. I want all the burdens and, and the darkness to leave. I want it to come from the presence of God. So I have to do something. I believe God longs, longs to commune with us. He longs to refresh us. He longs to restore us. He's done his part. He's standing. He's waiting. It's our turn to do our part. And the first thing we need to do is search our hearts and repent. David prayed this. I'm sure he prayed it all the time. It's a prayer I pray almost every day. Psalms 130, verse 23. He prayed this. He said, search me, O Lord, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. I pray that every day. Lord, search my heart today. See if there's anything in me that makes you sad. Cleanse me with the blood of Jesus. Teach me how to confess quickly. You know, that Peter said they needed to repent. The word repent means to turn away from toward. Is there something you need to turn away from and turn toward Jesus? Is there something in your life that's blocking you from touching the Lord? Is there something in your life that's blocking you from communion with the Lord? It, could there be anything so important, more important, than your relationship with God? I don't think so. So let the Lord search you and show you. Is there some little grudge you've been holding that you need to turn away from and turn toward the Lord? Let him cleanse you with his blood. Let him prepare you for communion. Or maybe you're here and you're watching and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Peter said you need to repent and be converted. You know, I want to lead you in a prayer as we're closing tonight. And I want you to have the opportunity tonight to get everything out of the way, to make Jesus the Lord of your life. You may need to rededicate your life. I want to give you an opportunity to do that so that you can come boldly before the throne of God and you can experience the communion. I really believe we're about to see God breathe on us as he's never breathed on us before. I'm expecting, I've seen a lot of wonderful moves of God in my life but I'm expecting something greater than anything I've ever seen as we turn to God, as we, as we search our hearts, as we repent, as we reach out to him. If you want to be a part of that and you've never made him the Lord of your life or you want to rededicate your life, pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know mankind needs a Savior, and I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the Son of God. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and God raised you from the dead right now. I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus, 
My past is forgiven, and I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I have said yes to you. Thanks for listening to this message. For more about The Ark, visit thearkchurch.com.